Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Thanks for being with us today. Today we've got a really interesting show for you. I've got Dr. Tatelli Bellaton, and she comes at being a neuropsychologist and her corporate background, investment, and financial experience in a really cool way. She's, after she almost spent 10 years in investment banking, five years in forensic account, accounting, and then she decided to leave the corporate world and share her years of financial experience to help the young and ambitious gain business acknowledge to build successful careers from doing what they love, which has formed into six years of her teaching youth in various systems worldwide, including in Kenya. And think about it. Looking back, the one thing that I wished I could have done a better job of teaching my children is how to manage money. She's her corporate business accomplishment. She has restructured and managed accounting departments towards multi-million dollar profits and clientele growth while lowering costs. She's helped companies survive global shifts during online business by implementing new software programs to replace outdated communication. As a financial consultant for a medical practice, she increased profits by 42% in just one year. Those are amazing results. And in March 2015, Dr. Jatelli gave birth to her first child, which little did she know would lead her to create a youth financial literacy initiative by the name Kids Who Bank. The limited offerings of financial literacy books for children when she in search for her son, she was inspired to write a story formatting finance book for youth. And she created a finance curriculum that started her on her journey of becoming an entrepreneur. In Kids Who Bank, Dr. Jatelli strives to inspire children to continue following their dreams. She is passionate about combining her business expertise with her desire to give all children a fair chance to succeed in life. Dr. Jatelli, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, I love the Texas market. And so I'm just very happy to be a part of your show today. Well, and I am so happy to have you here because as a mom, I struggled with many things <laughs> to be very direct and transparent. But one, the, the thing I struggled with most, most was how to handle the money subject. And you might, I can remember when my kids were teenagers and they said, no, mom, we don't have any idea how much money you or dad make. And at the time, I thought, well, what's the need to know? You know, and looking back, I see there was there was a huge need to know because how if they don't see us model behavior on how to spend money and manage money and grow money, how are they going to know how to do it? I believe that 100 percent. You know, I think that everything is a negotiation in life. And with our children, they're the biggest negotiators. They constantly have wants and needs. And we as parents are constantly navigating what is a want and which one is a need and teaching them the difference between those two worlds. And those of us who do not have that conversation with our youth, we tend to have entitled and spoiled children, right? And it's okay to have an entitled child, in my opinion. You can be entitled and humbled, but also 
understand that you can't get everything on your bucket list realistically. And we do live in an economy right now where we are seeing financial instability for many people. And a lot of people are concerned about, will they have their job for another one to five years? We're hearing things like, you know, um, social security will not be available past 2033. You know, when we hear stats like that, we realize we need to invest. We need to think wisely about our money. But that also means that if you are a parent of a child who's going to college, who is going to do certain things, we have to be very mindful of how we're raising them because every dollar counts, maybe even more than before. It's not like the baby boomer in the time frame where there were financial advisors and such financial security and there was social security and this and that and, you know, all of these different uh, factors protecting us. Um, and now we have this new generation where we're like, we need to shake things up and we need to be clear in communicating with our little ones when it comes to money. Well, in, in today's environment, it's, you know, for kids, mental health is a much bigger deal than it was a decade ago. And I'm amazed when I get the, look at the numbers, the depression, anxiety, it all is mm. going up. And even when you look at the suicide rates, the young, you know, that eight to 15, and you think mm. that would never occur at that age, but it does. And I think a lot of mental health stems from a lack of psychological safety. And honestly, psychological safety in many families revolves around financial safety. 100%. So, um, you know, and that's, and I, I have to stop right there and say, to me, it breaks my heart to think about how even the suicide rates have just been going up and up and COVID did not help that situation. And we saw parents who were depressed, the children who were depressed. We just saw the levels increase um, across the board um, you know, rather you were single or you had a child, a lot of people mentally were going through a lot and it hasn't, the numbers haven't gotten better. No, and honestly, even before the pandemic, one out of four Americans suffered from anxiety, depression, or substance abuse. So hmm. this this isn't a brand new topic. It's just gotten worse. And in the first year of COVID, depression and anxiety went up 25%. And I don't think we, I'd love to believe that we're done with the pandemic and it's over, but it's going to live in, it's going to live on because that's emotional trauma and that's stress and that lives on in the brain for sure. I agree. I definitely agree. So how do so, you, how do you approach and when do you approach? I mean, how old is your son now? So mine is eight years old okay. and he just turned eight in March. And when did you or have you approached him about money? As soon as he started to make requests, his dad and I sat down and we said it's time. Because my son definitely has champagne taste. And when children, that means apple juice that is $8 versus a $2 apple juice. Um, his The toys that he likes, they sometimes cost $5 versus the 99 cent toys. And so when I realized that he always, even his clothing, my son is the kind of kid, he likes bow ties and slacks and button down, even when he goes to the park. So I remember thinking like, your slacks are expensive, little kid. And he wants to wear them for the playground to go down the slide because he just likes to dress dapper. So it became a conversation of budgeting and teaching him how to earn and make the money that he wants to spend on these things 
or negotiating with them like, hey, if you want that Hot Wheel car, you have to understand that if you get that juice, that's $8, which is maybe 3 or $4 more than the average. That means that takes away from three cars that you could potentially purchase. Or even having him earn it, so creating a star chart system where every day he earns a cool stuff of cleaning up his toys. And at the end of the week, he can decide if he wants to buy something with that money um, or not. And so what you see with that situation is, um, what's beautiful is that he would then have those hard moments where he didn't earn enough money. And we had to team up and make sure that he understood that we were on the same side when it comes to parenting, parenting him and his relation to money. And even if he cried, we, would, we both said fast, said no, because you did not earn what you were supposed to earn this week by cleaning up your toys and not giving it to him. That has created a situation where now he's eight years old and for the last six years, he cleans up his toys. And if he's too tired, he at least at minimum requests help to clean up his toys. Um, or at least apply for one day to not do so, as well as created other opportunities where we start discussing things like stocks with him. So we show him a stock portfolio and say, hey, these are companies that we're investing for you. And so we would, and when he would ask us, how do we pay for companies? One of the, the, the ways that we taught him that was showing him like, well, you like to, you have to wear chapstick. And this is the brand that makes your chapstick. For him, it was at one point Smuckers. And then discussing with him, is that company traded on the stock market? How much is it going for? And letting him know that by owning the company as it does better, his money is going up in value. And eventually he can either sell that stock and have the profit or keep it for a very long time if he thinks it's a company that will be around forever. And so just having these, every, these conversations that we sometimes as adults think are complicated with him at a young age, now, as an eight-year-old, when he buys something, like the other day, he bought a toy and he said, mommy, is this company on the stocks? Like, is it publicly traded? And people were around us looking at him like, this eight-year-old talking about publicly traded companies. But it's something that is just so normal and inert within him because at the same way, we discuss um, the do's and don'ts of their mannerisms. And if they sneeze, we tell them to cover their nose. In the same way, we can make sure that they know that everything that they purchase that they are consumers and the power of being who they are and the financial power they have. Well, you know, I think if you can impart that wisdom at that young of an age, you definitely are putting your child on the route to success. And when I think about all the systems that you've worked in, you know, you, you've worked in Kenya. And my gut tells me that some of those kids there don't necessarily have champagne taste. Um, and have to think on a different level. But even then, I think that knowledge is even more important. Well, you know, what I will say is, having worked in other countries and markets like Ghana, South Africa, Kenya, every, every country, every market has the children who are of the upper echelon, who have a lot of money coming from a better economic background versus the ones who might come from a lower economic but one thing I will say is depending on the age of the child, because parents tend to not have those conversations with the children, sometimes even the ones from the lower economic don't understand why they can't afford certain things. And it's not that they don't want the certain, the certain, you know, like the McDonald's sometimes, you know, one of the simplest things I remembered being in South Africa and I was in a very uh, rich area and this kid, the mom was basically like new into the money. And so she was trying to, it was almost like a crab in the brown mentality. She was trying to navigate the money. And the kids said he wanted McDonald's and the mom said, we can't afford that yet. 
we need to finish paying this house off and we're just starting to get money. And, um, you know, and it's interesting, it's the simplest thing, but she's like, you want McDonald's every week. We can't afford you to have that every week. We need to make sure that our wealth is, is solidified before we start to spend like that. And it was so interesting because somebody else was like, it's McDonald's, right? But, you know, at that same point, depending how you budget and depending how much money you have and the wealth or even what you consider to be um, a luxury, even something as simple as McDonald's would, you know, be considered like, hey, it's like the Starbucks in America, right? Some of us, um, we might have Starbucks every day, but when you really do them half, you might be spending like an additional three to four or $500 a month because when you go in there, it's not just a latte, a grande latte, it's, it's that, sometimes it's a croissant, it's all these little cute little things and it's an extra bottle of water, it's a smoothie, it's all these different opportunities and, and food options, right? That before you know it, it might be an additional 500 to $1,000 that you're spending just on Starbucks. And so she was thinking the same way about the McDonald's. And this little kid was just like, well, I just want a Burger King. Like, I just want a McDonald's. I just want a Happy Meal. I just want this. And so I say that um, no matter where we are in the world, kids tend to see what other kids are eating or what they're wearing or what they what the commercial talk, what we're talking about. And a lot of them are going to want that because for them, that's what the commercial was showing. Or that's what the nice person that was standing at the bus stop next to them was wearing. And, you know, so our visuals are so important because what they see is what they as consumers at such a young age, that's what they're going to want. And so sometimes it is something as realistic as not being able to afford water and really living in dire straits. It can be those moments. But I always tell people rather it's something really dire like that or if it's something as simple as wanting McDonald's that our kids, the first thing, they come into the world innocent. And it's not until the band-aid is ripped off of them that they realize, wait, hold on, there might be something that I can't afford until we teach them what their boundaries are. So let me ask you a question. If you've got parents that don't manage money, that they spend until, and they spend and spend until there is no more, how do you, do you approach that situation differently? Well, I do. Um, the main things I like to point out to parents of that nature, because, you know, kids who bank, we have a finance curriculum that's going into 300 plus schools around the United States. And so as kids who bank has expanded, what that has created is a lot of parents will come to us and say things like, you know, my daughter told me you told her you could start building credit at 13. Um, and I remember saying, yes, in, in some instances with Chase and different companies not promoting one particular company or the other, you can even start at a younger single digit age. And, you know, some of these parents wouldn't know this information and they'll say, well, that's a lie. I don't believe that. Yet some other parents are using that child's credit um, to already start buying furniture and different things, right? Not realizing that they're going to actually have a lasting effect of messing with a child's credit score, um, something that can follow them and haunt them for a long time. And so I've started creating real life opportunities and experiences to share with those parents so they can understand what they do and the impact it has long term. So something like I mentioned earlier, the social security, like a lot of people think that that is a security blanket. Now I would go to parents and we'll have a, a meeting with the parents, we'll have a PTA meeting with the PTA, the parents, the children. And in that meeting, I'll make sure we state certain facts like, did you know that social security will no longer be around in 2033? Do you know that with inflation, milk used to cost $1 and now the average gallon of milk is seven to $8? Did you know that if you want to eat healthier 
non-GMO foods or certain things that you're looking at for just a thousand times ten dollars and so when you start to break down these realistic numbers that they know that was within their lifetime and you're showing them how things have changed and then you remind them if you're not saving if you're not being smarter when it comes to your budget but you're putting yourself in a situation of homelessness you're putting your child in a position of homelessness you're putting yourself in a position of always just the rat race of budget to budget just basically living dollar to dollar and that is not the goal and then we also remind them of some of the luxuries of life or just the benefits of not being living uh, dollar to dollar per se and showing them that everyone has a budget nine out of ten people have something that you can save and if you just save five dollars a day if you just save one dollar a day and you know just showing how accumulation or compound interest can work so honestly I think a lot of people don't start because they feel like it's this daunting task. A lot of people don't have a stock because they think you need $100 to purchase a stock. Meanwhile, for instance, you could buy penny stocks or you could buy a stock for as low as 5 or $10. And so we, our goal is just making the most unrealistic ideas or the hardest ideas. We, we stop overcomplicating them and we simplify them, especially for adults. Well, I like the, the, the commonality that you use when you're talking about money. It's not talking about, well, you know, if you don't save your money, you're not going to be able to get that Mercedes. Well, I mean, let's talk McDonald's. What do you think that kid's interested in today? It's McDonald's or it's mm -hmm. the, the cool toy. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I it's really... A, it's a jujitsu. <laughs> you know, like my son has this thing, it's called jujitsu. And it's like this little gooey toy, he squeezes it. And it, it's like, it's so weird to me. But, you know, and it's an expensive, it's like a relatively expensive compared to like the Hot Wheels. But I'm like, well, you have to earn it. So if you earn it and you work and you do little simple chores like help mommy sleep or you give him, give him the Swiffer and let him Swiffer the floor, you know, um, just little things that honestly he doesn't have to do. It's done. But it's just so he can start learning the habits of earning his keep and knowing that life is not just handed to you. Um, and it's, we don't mind, like, you know, there's nepotism, right? Right now, and um, depending on your background, sometimes we, we talk about nepotism because some of us are doing well and we just automatically want to hire our children. And it's okay to hire your child, right? But it's how to make sure that there isn't this um, detachment from reality. Well, it's okay to hire your children, and I have. My boys have worked in the business, but, Beautiful. They, but they worked in the business. And they followed the same procedures and protocols as everybody else did and don't don't text me you're running late that that doesn't work um so i i get your message very very i think it's great to be able to give opportunities to your to your children but those opportunities need to be the same type of opportunities that i believe that you extend to everybody else so i fully agree i fully agree well, what do you when you're when you're working with children? You start, I believe, you start in elementary, correct? Yes, we start as honestly as young as kindergarten. Like I like the same way with my children. With like my son, a correction, my son, I started at two. Um, all my nieces and nephews, my friends' children, if they're around me, if you're two or three years old, I start already. So even in school systems, we have a couple of schools that are like the kids are four or five years old, and we're ready to have the conversation with them. Because honestly, I don't think we realize how smart and genius our children are, especially at that time. They're sponges. They're grabbing everything. And, you know, they, they tell you you look pretty, you look nice. 
you know, like I remember going to this one kindergarten school and the little girl said, I love your heels. I want to have be able to own heels like that before. And I was just looking at her like, how much does she think I spent on these heels? And yes, sometimes I do have lavish ones, but that one in particular that day was a pair of shoes that I got for thirty dollars at Aronto, and I just thought they looked so cute. And you know, she's like, I, I just wish they would afford them one day. And I remember having a conversation with her about branding and marketing, and telling her that you know the shoes didn't cost that much, but because they look expensive, you know, sometimes we think it's gonna cost more money, and that's the branding and marketing behind it. And I remember that five-year-old told me. She said, I'm going to have a company where my brand makes people want to spend a lot of money on it and or make it at least look like it costs a lot of money and it's affordable. And I was like, that's great. I love that. And, you know, we have to balance everything. So I think that it's just really even something as simple as understanding that the kids who want to wear Jordans, they cost some, uh, a certain amount to buy, 100 to $300 on average. But when you break down to a, a, a elementary or a seven-year-old and you say, hey, you know, you're a cute little first grader. And you have on Jordan, do you know that it only costs one to five dollars on average to make the pair of sneakers you had on? But your parents cost a hundred dollars, paid a hundred dollars to buy that for you. And so when you start to have these conversations with these kids, they're like, I don't want my mom paying this much on sneakers again, you know, and they start to, you know, and then we teach them it's not about not enjoying the finer things in life. You can, if your mom can afford it, then cool, no problem. But it's also about maybe buying shares in Nike or certain companies. So now not you have a gift that keeps giving. So I don't think there's really a age cap, but we start as young as possible. Well, and how does it change when you're working with, you know, a kindergarten and then you've got a middle someone that's in middle school and they're in ninth grade and I always used to say the bigger the boy, the bigger the toy, that it gets more and more expensive. So how do you do you talk differently with them or is it the same? Is it the same conversation, just at a different level? It's for me, even with adults, um, it's the same conversation at different levels. And because I think that for me, my teaching style is honestly, once again, I believe that we should make life as simple that even a fool can understand it. You know, that's, um, it's a, that's a sentence I remember reading and I remember thinking, yes. And maybe we don't like the word fool, but I do think that we should make life concepts as simple as possible. And so it's just making relatable. So the nine-year-old, yeah, the toy options might be a little bit more expensive. But what you'll notice with the nine-year-old is that, honestly, if you explain to them what the, the climate and tell them what's happening and also let them know what their buying power is. And we say things like, hey, you could buy this $20 toy right now, or you could save this $20 and purchase like this stock or a piece of crypto or something else. Um, and you, that money might go to a hundred or two hundred dollars in the next year or two years. Then it starts to change how they look at the twenty dollars. And so I'm, it's very important to me that rather they're a toddler and we're relating on the level of their digital, right? For instance, these kids are obsessed with their iPads and their devices, right? So that's one of the ways you can navigate. Um, there's some navigations that we have to do as parents. And so when we talk about that, once again, around money, you know, those are things that we can say, hey, that game that you wanted to play, that's $6 a month. This is all the options that you would have had for $6 a month, especially for a nine-year-old. They basically have a toy budget for just for digital games are oftentimes, right? And so once again, it comes down to, well, your digital budget is X, Y, and Z, but these are all the things you could have done with this money, and this is how much money you would have had if you just started doing this in this time frame. And a lot of you want to become millionaires. 
And when you show them the power of compound interest in their dollar and let them know like, hey, if you were to just save X, Y, and Z by this time frame, you would be able to maybe become a millionaire by 24, 25. A lot of kids are like, what? Wait, what? And they're building this adjust really quickly. Well, I noticed that you mentioned crypto. And that certainly has been something for the last, you know, four or five years that I've read a lot about. But I'm, I noticed that when you mentioned it, so you're introducing that to the, the younger, to me, that's more abstract. And that's probably because of the way I was raised and the, my relate, my relationship with money. And we all have a relationship with money. Um, so tell me how you, how you work with crypto. So to give an example, um, the, the first thing I will say is this, in the blockchain world, the metaverse, crypto, and those worlds, there are games that are used to play that, that they actually make money now. To give an example, last year, my son, while he was seven, I noticed he played Minecraft all of the time. He played Roblox, and he's building all these beautiful houses in Minecraft. He was learning Roblox um, coding so he could maybe create his own game. And he was doing all of these things. And I remember that in the metaverse, there's a game called Sandbox, and it's very similar in the way they build. And people will actually, if you build a mansion in Sandbox, somebody will actually buy the mansion. And so I challenged them with, hey, since you like to build houses, how about you build something elaborate in Sandbox and see what happens? And in that situation, he had a person, a random person from Singapore, who purchased the property he made for $1,000. Uh, it was in token, and then I converted it to dollars for him. But we can no longer say that our kids can, aren't, can't, you can't make money playing that game because some of our kids are actually making money playing games, video games, metaverse, blockchain games, the list continues. So crypto is as good or bad as you make it, um, but it's understanding the climate. The same way in the stock market, you tell, if you're investing in the stock market, you tell people to be weary of like a mean stock that is only popular because of celebrities talking about it. There's the same rules of engagement in the crypto space. Now, the one thing about the blockchain is that it's a digital transparent ledger and it being a transparent ledger, which means that everything that is spent on it instantly is visible to the world. And once somebody has their wallet, that is something visible. So now there are safety precautions with that, but you know, you're only going to be hacked or as um, misunderstood in that space or lose money if you're not really doing research and if you're not paying attention, if you don't understand the ebbs and flows of it. So depending when your child enters that space, there are tokens that we purchased, let's say for like $100 at, or $20 that went up to $1,000 or things that we paid um, you know, $20 for and then it went up to $300 per share or for crypto. And so I say that every it, it's a new space that parents should definitely pay attention to and should not shy away from because their children could A, be making money in a space. If your child's an artist, they can start locking down their via using NFTs, which is digital art. They can now start locking down their art blueprint and being able to keep track of all their sales and a, a potential art buyer, art curator might be able to just they're like, hey, this kid is amazing. They're already selling pieces for $100 or $200. They sold 1,000 pieces. They sold 500,000 pieces. But there's just a better way to keep track of a ledger. Um, and there's just so many pros and cons of it. And it also, it, if done properly, can allow a child to make a lot of money. But once again, it is a volatile market. And I tell parents all the time, if you're adverse to risk and you don't like volatility, 
understood there are stable and more less uh, volatile tokens to look at in the crypto space um but you know if you are into uh, volatility and it doesn't scare you then there are also opportunities where in one year you can make 300 percent profit 100 percent profit a thousand percent profit you know but with the understanding that you have to bank profits along the way and so we teach children the same information but we also impart upon them that this is not a say all end all be all where you don't have to get to school because in the end of the day the game that you're playing might be temporary might only be popular for a year um, but if you're if you have the education, you could be the coder to create the next best game and make millions and billions of dollars. You can be the person to lead a generation versus being the follower who might never really um, truly reach your, your horizon. But education is important for that. Well, I very much appreciate how you tie it to the financial literacy that you're trying to create with you know across the hundreds of, of kids that are doing the program. I think that is. So important. And, you know, for our listeners out there that are more interested and want to learn more, we've got a couple of minutes left. Tell them, where can they find you on social media? How, how do they reach out? So Instagram, LinkedIn, um, it's under my name, Jatali Bellington, J-A-T-A-L-I-B-E-L-L-A-N-T-O-N. Um, and, you know, Twitter, Instagram, everything, social media, it's all Jatali Valentin on the bright side. We keep it very simple. And then you also have our website. Um, you can go to BMU Meta, the B as in boy, M as in man, U, man, Meta, M-E-T-A dot I-O. Or you can just go to, eventually, um, if you're on my social media, you'll be able to just go on the link tree, et cetera, and find me and my different websites at brilliantmindsunite.com, where we tackle different subjects which is exciting for me because, you know, our brand has been growing. So I love looking, connecting to our followers and our curriculum. We will be outside of the schools eventually making it so that more parents, even those who homeschool their parents, have access to the curriculum. Oh, I see this as being a great addition to a homeschool curriculum. Hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been getting a lot of homeschooling parents reaching out and programs. So we've been helping some of them structure their financial literacy components um, and, you know, teaching the kids about the banking industry and how to invest smartly and just how to be a better consumer. So it's been exciting to work with homeschooling because I actually homeschool my son and it's been amazing homeschooling him. Well, you know, Dr. Kelly, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. You've left me with the understanding of how important it is to include your children in financial decisions. And I wish I would have known, had that knowledge a little bit earlier, but thank you again. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. Brain Performance Center.com.